Welcome to the Cantina Chatter Podcast. My name is Victoria, and I will be your guide on this adventure through toys, collectibles, and film discussion. In this episode, my Star Wars Actors Conversation Series continues. If you've ever seen the original Star Wars film, then you've seen British actor and musician Lori Good on screen. In fact, Lori portrayed three different characters in the original film. One of the two Sauron aliens seen in the Mos Eisley Cantina, a rebel pilot in the Death Star briefing scene, and a stormtrooper who appeared on screen in at least two different sequences. First at the beginning during the Imperial attack on the rebel blockade runner, and again on the Death Star in pursuit of our rebel heroes. And as someone who featured in three different roles in the original film, I'll bet he's got some interesting stories to tell. In last week's episode, I was joined by Britt Schatz, marketing manager of the Mattel Jurassic World toy line. With the Mattel Jurassic toy line being the multi-generational smash hit it has been with so many collectors, fans, and families, I was thrilled to have her on the show to discuss the line at great length. We discussed its development, its wide range of diverse product, distribution, quality control, design decisions, and the future. It was a fun conversation, and even if you're not a Jurassic World toy collector, you'll no doubt hear some interesting things regarding the production of a major toy line. If you haven't heard it already, I hope you'll give it a listen. All right, Lori Good, welcome to the Cantina. Hello, Victoria's Cantina. If you take a look around, does it look more or less as you remember it? Strangely enough, I did 
uh, a convention in Manchester about three years ago where they had a replica of the cantina. Mm -hmm. And uh, if you go on the video that I did for who was a stormtrooper banged his head, uh, you'll see you'll see the cantina sequence in that video, which is the um, the replica. Ah. That was uh, that was about three years ago, but I you know. When you're talking about 1976, can I remember every kind of look and cranny? No, I can't. Oh, of course. Uh, but um, uh, basically, I think the the actual studio that was in is is now part of Tesco's uh, supermarket. Oh wow! I mean, the studio itself is still there, but uh -huh. the stage, the actual stage that it was on, uh, no longer exists. So you said that that area is now in a supermarket? Yeah, they sold half of it off to the supermarket because, you know, when when times have changed since the 70s and people started using natural locations for their films and films got cheaper, so they didn't hire the studios anymore. Tesco Supermarket. I'll have to make a note of that. That way, when I visit, I can go look for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, it's, it's the car park area. I mean, it just sort of verges onto it. I don't know... I can't remember how long it was, but if you if you look for original photographs of Elstree Studios, there is one online which has a long front. Uh, you know, when you're looking from the road, mm -hmm. and and I think if you'll find like the recent recent uh, uh, changes, I think that encroaches onto that you know onto that that building. So that uh, half of that building has been knocked down. So. I do believe that the stage that was that, that we did that uh, cantina sequence in was uh, is now uh, part of Tesco's car park. Oh wow! Which Very interesting. Great. Yeah. So I would just say, uh, stay away from that man over there, that old man with the lightsaber. I hear that he's good at cutting off arms. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Very dangerous. So, um, uh, Laurie, first of all, thank you so much for taking the time to come on the show. I really appreciate that. Okay. Uh, like our mutual friend, Jamie Stingroom, uh, I've tried to connect with various Star Wars actors in order to document their story. Uh, last year I had Pam Rose, I uh, also had Angela Staines, who was one of the Tonica sisters. Uh, the I know. And um, I think that the Star Wars films are the result of a lot of hard work by so many people. Uh, of course, you have George Lucas, and then you have the names of everyone else that you know, James Earl Jones, David Prowse, Mark Hamill, Harrison Ford, Carrie Fisher. Uh, but then you have so many more people behind the scenes and many people in minor and background roles that really help to flesh out the Star Wars universe. And I think there's a lot of value in listening to what those people have to say. So again, I'm grateful to be able to chat with someone who actually portrayed three different characters in the film. Yes. Um, an actual fact, um, we, we, the I think I, I played four characters, in fact, because... Um, uh, I was a rebel trooper. I noticed myself as a rebel trooper in one of the still photographs in a book that someone showed me. But, um, uh, you know, we, there was so much work in those days, you kind of forget what you actually did on the film. So, because you went along and you sort of like, right, today I'm a stormtrooper. And then the next day I was X Wing pilot. And, you know, so it was very difficult to, um, to look back and to remember exactly what, what shots you did. Uh, you're in, but someone showed me a photograph. And I thought, "Crikey, that's me!" You know, so um, uh, yes, but but three definitely, uh, you know, three that I've been saying uh, since, since since I've been doing the conventions. Wow, very cool. 
Um, so I want to ask you, uh, for those listening, Laurie, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your background? Uh, okay. I was born in Windsor, if that's any help. <laughs> <laughs> a place called Runnymede in a town called Egham. It's where they signed the Magna Carta. My parents came from the east end of London. They moved out there during the war because they got bombed out three times. Kept getting bombed out by the Germans. So when they came back home from work, the, the house wasn't there. So eventually they got fed up with being bombed out. So they moved out. Uh, out of London and um, and I I didn't really have any kind of uh, intentions to get involved in acting or anything like that or music but I did at school uh, w- with a friend of mine uh, we um, we set up a sort of like, like a, 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 a stage in the garden for the kids and we used to put on these little little shows for the kids after school. We used to charge them sixpence each. <laughs> so there was something there all along, you know. So since I was a young kid. And then um, I met someone uh, when I was up in, in London during the 60s, sort of sleeping on couches and looning around. I met someone who worked at BBC who got me a job on Adam's Adamant as a sort of like an extra. So I went along there. And these guys, I said, I was asked what agent I was from. So I didn't know anything about agents. I said, well, what agent are you from? And they told me what agents they were with. So the next day I was ringing up the agents. So I got, I got with all the agents that were going at the time. And uh, and then sort of got into it. But then I was playing music as well. I tried to sort of play. Well, I was, I'm, I'm a bass guitarist. Um, not a very good one, but I'm a bass guitarist. <laughs> and uh, and I, so I tried that as well. I uh, recorded Phil Collins when I was in, in 1970 when I wrote a song and I, I took it to a publisher and he said, can you get any musicians wow. to, uh, to, to, to to do a demo on this? And I said, yeah, well, I'll, I'll ring around. And I rang this guy, and uh, a friend of mine, and he put me on to Phil Collins. I only knew him as Phil. And I went around his house and we, we rehearsed it. So I was, I was ringing him up to try and fit a, fit a date for, for us to go into the studio. And uh, at the time, he was ch- he had just joined Genesis, but he was actually rehearsing with them. They hadn't got, been out on the road, so I kept ringing up, and I was talking to like you know all the all the members of Genesis. So can I can I speak to Phil, please? And he had come on the line. We eventually sort of made a date, and we went down to the studio in Denmark Street and recorded this song called "I Chose the World," and. Um, and then at the end of the day, I, t- I, I took him and his, uh, his bass guitarist that he was with, uh, that he was friends with at the time. They were both together in a group called the Flaming Youth. Uh, took them out for sausage, egg and chips at the end of the night. <laughs> so that's, that's, that's quite a... Uh, I don't think many people have taken Phil Collins out for sausage, egg and chips. Right. <laughs> so, so anyway, so... Uh, but by then, I'm... I'm, I'm getting more into sort of doing the film work so because film work is quite well paid you know doing doing the background work i mean and you get quite often got a line thrown at you to do because in those days the people had to belong to the union to do the work so therefore mm-hmm. you had people that were more professional minded you know so they could handle lines and things and and, and doing a bit of action and um we uh uh so we uh by the time, by the time you know, I did Star Wars, I was kind of like well accustomed to the the way it all works, you know, all the, all the phraseology, like turn the cameras over, cut, and 
let's go again and opening positions you know so you're not new at all so that's that's uh that's how it worked for me and as i, as I say the money was quite good so you know you kind of I, although i really wanted to do music i i kind of forsook it for for the sake of doing you know because because the work was always there with 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 film work it was always coming in mm -hmm. in the 70s mm -hmm. so uh you know and i was having the whale of a time going out every night and you didn't have to you know, the thing is with when you're doing that kind of work you're not working every day so it's not not like a job you know you may work every day for a week uh -huh. and then have the next three or four days off and then and then work three days and the money was kind of like twice as twice as much virtually twice as much as what a tradesman would get today so oh, well. you know so it's well paid so <laughs> you kind of get sucked into it absolutely so um how did you get involved with the original star wars film what was that process like well a lot of them were a lot of the guys were were uh went along for fittings they had uh, they were they, they were told to go along for fittings and but i was a replacement a last minute replacement for a guy called peter jukes i don't think he's alive now but uh, he couldn't make it he probably thought well i don't want to go you know having tried the costume on because it was quite claustrophobic putting those helmets on so having tried the the the, the costumes on i thought well, maybe maybe he thought that um oh i've got something better you know so they rang me up at the last minute. So the agent rang me up. Said, "Can you go? What? What? What's your measurements?" I said, "Well, uh, yes, I'm five foot nine. You know, the chest measurements, waist measurements." I said, "Well, you you go along and replace Peter Jukes. You have the same measurements." So I went along to the to to, to the studios, working on a film called Star Wars. They didn't know anything about it. So when I got there and I was grabbing this costume to be part, you know, put this costume on. I thought, oh, well, I know why he didn't turn up now. So, uh, <laughs> so, so, so that's that's how it was, and it was a hot summer as well. And though it was early on in the summer, it was really hot. And um, and every given moment we got, you know, we would take the tops off and sort of like sunbathe outside. And so there'd be be the um, the, the troopers and the uh, rebel troopers, and they were actually called something else to begin with. There's Imperial Guards, I think. But the rebel troopers outside and and, uh, and, and the stormtroopers, there's sort of about 20 of us on a patch of grass. And we were sunbathing there. And then the assistant would come out and say, right, I need four of you for the next shot. So you'll turn your heads away thinking I'd rather be stuck in the sun than in, than in the studio with all all the heat going on. And, you know, so um, and no one volunteered. He said, right, I love you, you, you and you. So, so you know, you, you couldn't get out of it. So... Um, Anyway, so that's how it was, and uh, it was a good, enjoyable film to work on, though. Uh -huh. you, didn't wow. know where it, you didn't know where it was going because you got you, one minute you got some um, the American guys in there, you didn't know who they were. I mean, you knew that uh, we knew who uh, um, uh, was Alec Guinness was, obviously, you know, but you didn't know who Mark Hamill was or Harrison Ford, or so you didn't really know where it was going to fit in, really, because it seemed to be a bit kind of like a children's program you know sort of <laughs> lost in space or something you know nice so it was very hot there was no air condition at the studio they didn't have it in those days no they probably have it now because it's more you know um in those it would have made a noise wouldn't it to have those fans working or whatever that's true so mm -hmm. uh, so mm -hmm. they can't have that so um and they had those big arc lights as well they've got different arc, different lights these days they don't have the arc lights mm -hmm. which actually you know the arc lights actually you know give out flame they they, they touch oh. 
burn. So, oh. so yeah. So it was quite, it was quite uncomfortable. So um, you, mm-hmm. you, 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 when 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 they say uh, right, you're back tomorrow, you say okay. Um, although you think, well, I wish something else had come along. You know, you still go <laughs> back, you still go back because it's it's you get into a little bit of a system. So yeah, whatever. Anyway. Wow. So uh, it was almost something of an accident then that you actually ended up in this huge franchise. Yes, yes, yes. And then what happened when I when I went into the cantina uh, sequence? Um, again, uh, one of the, one of the girl. I think it was a girl. I was told it was going to be a girl. Uh, she she couldn't turn. She couldn't uh, appear because she she uh, she was sick or something. And they said, if you can fit into the, the costume, you, you can come back next week. So I went along and uh, uh, to the costume department and I put the top on, but it didn't it didn't close properly, but it actually fitted on the top, you know, but it didn't it didn't zip up, was it? Well, so the lapels didn't. Mm-hmm. And they gave me these baggy trousers and everything for the bottom part. I said, well, they don't fit thinking I won't get the job. And they said, oh, well, that won't matter. You won't, that won't notice as long as you get the top part on it. It's OK. <laughs> So I came back. But if you look at the pictures, it's all baggy. It's like I've got a big fat stomach. But it's all kind of like loose <laughs> loose, uh, loose material sort of tucked into the trousers, which were very baggy. How funny. Were you interested in having a role in The Empire Strikes Back or Return of the Jedi? When, looking back on it now, yes. <laughs> but, but at the time, you think to yourself, well, it didn't really matter, you know, because he, 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 I, no one really knew... Um, what where this was going in what direction i don't think even george lucas knew but the thing was was that is since the the the, the uh, internet has as you know created this uh, phenomenal uh, following with it you know it's it's because you think to yourself well wish i'd done more on it now because um, it's 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 amazing the following it gets through the internet i mean it, like you know, millions of people follow for the Star Wars. So, when you took on our role, um, was it mostly through your agent? Is that how you would have been aware of the other Star Wars films? Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's not personal management. The, 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 the agencies we were using were kind of like personal management. They, you don't you don't go along for a sort of basically you're you're doing um you see there's two there were at the time there were two unions one was called the faa which is the film artists association and equity now if you're a member of equity you kind of like um uh, which i was also you, you got for the parts you got for the individual parts but if you're but the faa you just got sort of like as as a background as groups you know group group of people so um they, they, they want uh they want a, a half a dozen Viking guys for a film, uh, Viking-looking guys. Uh, you know what I mean, with beards and everything like that. Sure. They look at the, look at the photographs and they they, they ring ring up. Um, sometimes you audition. Obviously, we I remember auditioning for Ken Russell for um, uh, what was that the name of that film? Can't remember the name one. Um, oh God, can't remember it now. But uh, there are a lot of us, you know, but you go in sort of like three or four at a time, say, right, I'll have you, him and him, uh, and I'll have that one and that one, you know. So uh, sometimes there is a bit of an audition, but uh, quite often you just go along for the fitting. And as long as you get into the clothes and, and, and everything like that, you, you actually get the job. I see. So 
Um, the agency that you are part of, they didn't say, when, when the other films rolled around, they didn't say, well, hey, Laura, you were in uh, the original Star Wars film. Would you like a part in The Empire Strikes Back? Not unless you were very friendly with them. <laughs> <laughs> if you give them birthday, uh, Christmas presents, I suppose. But um, uh, no, no it, it didn't really work like that. Um, though some of the guys that did the stand-ins, uh, you know, they had uh, people that the, the, the main actors, people like Michael Caine, would have a regular stand-in. So, and the stand-ins would work for the same union. So, so um, a lot of the guys did that. They worked for for um, uh, various you know, busy busy actors. You know, so. So, uh, and the, you know what a standing is? It's, yes. it's, it's someone that, yeah, well, I'll just explain for the audience. It's someone that stands in to, uh, so they can set the camera and the lights up on, on the artist, and then the artist does the scene. Uh, and then the artist or the actor leaves the set and they set up another shot. So you get the standing going through the motions of what's to be uh, uh, filmed. And, uh, and then the actor comes back again and does does the same that's what a standing is wow, wow. Um, all right so Laurie before we discuss the specific characters you played in the film I'd like to play a little game if you're cool with it uh, it's called 10, Ten questions, questions too many. many and basically I have 10 random questions for you and you don't know what they are no I, I don't I'm getting too old <laughs> are you ready I don't know even if, if I know them I won't be able to remember them go on all right number one Donuts or muffins? Muffins. <laughs> used to be donuts, but now it's muffins. Nice. I could go for a, a nice blueberry muffin right now myself. I've just had blueberries. <laughs> Number two, Rebel Alliance or Empire? Rebel Alliance or Empire. Uh, Empire. Nice. Number three, name the last book that you read. The last book? I've never read a book. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I in actual fact, I did read a book. It was about Hell's Angels, and because um, I, I thought to my, I never, I've never read a book all the way through, and this one I was determined to read, and it was many years ago. It's 1969, and I, I got to the last two pages, and I was on the sleepover train coming down from Paris down to Cannes for the Cannes Film Festival, and I had two pages to finish, and I left it on the train. <laughs> <laughs> So, number four, what is your favorite film? Ah, uh, The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. Nice, good choice. Number five, who is your favorite musician or band? Well, I like the songs, really. It's the songs that I like. It's not It's not actually the band. I mean, that one that Charlie Puth did, you know, uh, this Marvin about Marvin Gaye. What's that called? This Marvin Gaye, I'm getting it on. Do you know that one? Uh, hmm. I know Marvin Gaye, and I know uh, Let's Get It On. Yes, I'm not sure what... No, 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 the one Charlie Puth. Charlie Puth did it with Kevin, uh, Kevin, Helen Trainer, is it? Trainer? Did a duo. Not so long ago. Hmm, I'll, have, I'll have to look that one up. <laughs> it's, it's, it's Marvin Gaye and Get It On, I think it's cool. Interesting. See, I like, I like that. I, like, I rather like, you know, the, the actual individual songs rather than the artists. Ah, okay. All right, so number six, who shot first? Uh, you did. I did. <laughs> I'll take that. Uh, number seven, fill in the blank. I wish I could get rid of blank. Uh, 
My girlfriend. <laughs> I hope she's not listening. <laughs> oh, God. She is. She must be old. <laughs> <laughs> uh, number eight. Do you believe in aliens? Yes. Nice. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'll tell you why. Can I tell you why? Sure. Well, because, you see, everyone says when we're all... The human brain is about beginning and end. You know, I mean, we all want to sort of die and think, oh, we're going to go on forever. But there's no, where where were we before? There's none of that, you see. And so they don't think of where we were before. But everything else has, where did it come from? But not the human, not not not, not now our spirit, where did our spirit come from? So it's where, 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 where did everything go? Where did space come from? So they're looking for it and they've said, oh, is it as big as a pea? And then it exploded and created the universe. Well, they're looking in the wrong direction, you see, because if you went on into space and you were traveling indefinitely, you know, you can't tell people if you're going sort of like a billion miles an hour, but you can start saying, what if you went a uh, 7,000 miles an hour and you're in space on a spaceship and you're traveling in six months, where do you think you end up? You think, well, you'll still be traveling in space. All right, where will you be going if you're going 100,000 miles an hour uh, for six months? You'll still be in space. Where would you be going if you traveled at uh, 1,000 miles an hour and you live for 500 years? Where would you be going? You'll still be traveling in space. So the thing is, is that there's no ending. And like any equation, if there's no ending, there was no beginning. Interesting. Uh, I happen to actually believe in them myself. And I'll just tell you real quick. I actually, I'll have to send you the link, but I have a little video where I actually caught a, some sort of a flying object on film. It was interesting. Yeah, I've, I've seen one with a, a, a DJ called uh, Mike Quinn. We were trying, driving the train, uh, uh, driving along in the train. We're driving along and the two two kind of star objects were flying kind of to our left and they were flying kind of very slow and but more or less together and then they suddenly shot away huh. and i said i can't that can't be that can't be real i said what's that and he said yeah i don't know so we were i've got it actually somewhere i think i've got it i've got it on tape somewhere huh. i did take a bit of a tape of it interesting so number nine do you believe in trolls that live under bridges in parks no <laughs> I, I need the homeless <laughs> <laughs> and finally number 10 finish this sentence a stormtrooper walks into a control room bangs his head and suddenly no one says cut <laughs> perfect <laughs> so, Laurie, you play three different characters in A New Hope, and you said maybe even four. Uh, so, firstly, you're a stormtrooper. Uh, as far as I can tell, you were both on the Rebel Blockade Runner at the beginning of Star Wars, yeah. and also on the Death Star later on, obviously, in, this, in the moment where you hit your head. Yeah. You are also one of the aliens in the Mos Eisley Cantina. Yeah. And I'm not sure if I'm saying his name correctly. Maybe you can correct me since it's, it's your character, but is it uh, Herchek Kalfas? Yeah, Calphus, yeah. Um, I've been told that, but the actual species were called Sorin. So Sorry. as that's as that's easier to write and easier to say, I <laughs> say, say Sorin. Nice. Um, and Sorin, uh, those species are very similar to Bosk. Are you familiar with Bosk the Bounty Hunter in The Empire Strikes Back? Uh, yeah, that's uh, Alan Harris did uh, uh, Bosk, yeah. Wow. Alan Harris. It's the same head, 
but the actual uh, the, the body's uh, costume is different. That's all. That's different. Uh huh. And I think the eyes look a little bit different too, don't they? I haven't really scrutinized it, but I was told it was the same head. It, it probably is. It's probably the same head. Uh, and you were also a rebel pilot during the rebel briefing scene on Yavin 4. Yeah, well, what happened there, I, I think we, we there were there were too many of us in, in the studio. I can't remember whether it was Shepparton or, or actually in Elstree. There were so many of us in there, they told a lot of us to get out. And I thought I was in shot, but I wasn't. I, I can't see myself in shot. So I don't I don't sign as that because I haven't got any, any kind of pictures of me, you know. So I always tell people that when they come to, they want me to sign. Uh, a shot of that. I said, "Well, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not sure whether I'm in that shot or actually partook part in the filming, mm -hmm. because." Mm -hmm. um, but I did, I did at one one day dress up as a uh, went along and dressed up as a, um, an X-wing pilot. Nice. Um, so, how common was it back in those days for extras to be given multiple roles? Well, in in '76, uh, there was a lot of work for some reason. Uh, I, I mean, I, I, I did a job on um, in something called The Life and Times of Will Shakespeare or The Life of Will Shakespeare uh, starring Tim Curry. And I got a role uh, as as uh, one of the um, one of uh, main, well, not main, one of the characters in there called Sir Gilly Merrick. And it was a it was a speaking role. And I didn't even have to audition for it because I was just so short of people. So <laughs> it was quite easy. And a lot of. A lot of, uh, of the crew actually uh, took part in, in Star Wars. I think Ted Weston was, is one. He, I think he was a crew member. Um, I can't be sure about that, but I think so. Uh, because th there just wasn't enough people. Because th the work suddenly came in. There was a volume of work. You know, so um, they were desperate for anybody, really. Wow. So you basically covered everything with these roles. You're an Imperial stormtrooper, you're a rebel trooper, and an alien. I find that quite fascinating. Yeah. So when you were in the cantina, when you were in your Soren costume, what goes through your mind? You're in this costume, it's very hot, and everywhere you look, there's all these different characters and aliens and people running around. What do you think in your mind? Well, you go along, and, and I think Pam, when Pam... Roseman along she had to get there quite early because the makeup was quite heavy so I wouldn't wouldn't have fancied that but um so when Pam went along yeah the, the make the makeup was quite heavy for her so she had to get in there really really early but I used to get there I think about eight o'clock eight thirty something like that and get dressed and get under set and then do whatever whatever shot you're involved in uh rehearse it and then record it and you really don't think about, you know, what the difficulties. You just get on with it. But there was, there was a, a, a problem with 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 the helmet, with the costume, with the helmets, because you couldn't with with soaring, for instance, you had to look and breathe out the mouth. You uh -huh. couldn't you, you couldn't look out the eyes. You had to. And so, um, so as soon as they said cut, you took the helmet off to get some fresh air. <laughs> Uh, so it, it was awkward, but at the same time, you still came back the next day, you know, it's because what happened, what, lunchtime you go down to the bar, because in those days, you know, I used to down a few drinks, and um, so we go along with a few 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 us go down to the bar and, and, and drink, so it's kind of like social as well as being, you know, work, 
because um, so you came came back after the bar uh, after lunch after the bar after lunch and uh, get back into doing work again and it, and also you have times if you're not involved in, in in if you're not involved in the shot you can sort of sit in the corner with a friend or two and just have a chat so it's quite easy really uh-huh. I mean you're not, in, you're not in that costume all the time well you're not in the helmet all the time so people tend to think that once you've got the helmet on you're in there from you have you got that helmet on till lunchtime and then rest of the day uh, but it, it's not like that you know you only, you're only in that costume uh, or, or, or the helmet shall I say you only got the helmet on to, to, as, as and when you're needed sure sure when I did the second role the, the soaring role you know I just, as I said I went along and I, I just managed to fit into the costume and everyone else had been fitted so uh, and the woman that was that was down to do the the role was uh, was fitted, but um, uh, so w- w- when 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 I started signing and soaring, someone got hold of a costume uh, list, uh, and because my name wasn't on the list, they started putting it on the on the internet that I, I wasn't in the film. Uh, Laurie Good's a liar. He's, he's signed, and then a lot of people kind of thought that you know that because I'm not in, on the list. Um, that, that, that I didn't take part, and but that's how it changes in film world. You know, these things things happen. They happen. You, 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 the shots have changed because of rain or whatever it is. You know, so so it's just it's just got a bit annoying, really, that someone doesn't understand. You know, that things change around. You know, so uh-huh. sure. I'm not bothered about it, but it's still it's still on the uh, the internet. If you look it up, Laurie Good did not play Soaring. Not now. <laughs> <laughs> you can if you want. Oh yeah, I see that. <laughs> yeah, but since then, uh, the shots are still to come up with me and Pam Rose and Chris Bunn sort of come uh, uh, resting on the on uh, uh, in the set on the can on a on a bench in the cantina between shots. So mm-hmm. you know, stick two fingers up to that or one finger up to that person who wrote that. Yes, I, I saw that. Um, that's the one where Pam's knitting. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, great photo. Yeah, yeah. But uh, and, uh, as I say, we went down the pub, you know, lunchtime. So it was in the afternoon because I'm falling asleep on Chris's shoulder. So we come back and had a few drinks. And I'm falling asleep. Um, so of the three roles that you played, uh, which would you say was your favorite? Well, looking back on it, I think the Stormtrooper was quite funny, uh, really. Uh, because although again it was claustrophobic it was easy to take the helmet off you know just whip it off when i say claustrophobic it wasn't as claustrophobic as as soaring but it was still sort of uncomfortable i mean the the guys now that do the 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 cosplay you know the conventions they dress up as stormtroopers i mean they really got nice fitting helmets i've tried them on you know they got sort of sponges inside and things like that but these helmets we had, <laughs> they weren't anything like that. They, you know, they weren't as comfortable as what, what you get today. And, and also, the bits and pieces were dropping off as you ran along. If you had to do any running, you bet your life a sort of like a, a something a belt would fall off or a bit of plastic <laughs> would fall off. So the the, the the costume people were kept really busy, sort of like with pins and stuff, and to put you all back together again. So they were quite impractical. Yeah. But, I mean, you know, it's just fantasy. So, you know, the kids love it. Absolutely. Um, so speaking of the Stormtrooper, 
Uh, Lori, one of the things you seem to be the most famous for was that you say you were the stormtrooper who banged his head on the door in the control room where C-3PO and R2-D2 were hiding. Um, so can you give us a little bit of insight onto how this blooper occurred? Yes. Um, well, I came in, I think it was like the uh, second or third day. And uh, uh, I, 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 I was... I had an upset stomach. I developed an upset stomach and I kept going to the loo. So I was taking, uh, I, I went back on the set, probably the third time I've been to the loo. Uh, and, and Jerry, the assistant, put me in shot. I said, oh, I think I'm going to go to the loo again, Jerry. So he said, <laughs> oh, you, you, you just do this shot. Just do this shot. So we were, we, we, we were doing a shot and we were carrying the guns in our right hands as we did the shot. So they did, they did three or four takes, carrying the guns in their right hands. And I thought, I'm going to go. And they said, no. They said, and I thought they got it. You know, I said, well, that's it. Said, no, wait a minute. You've got to put the guns in your left hand. So we did a shot of holding the guns in our left hand. And by now, i am really got a bad stomach. And I've gone, bang, I've hit my head because I'm not concentrating. <laughs> and, and I came round. And then, and then they said, cut, right, that's it. And I thought, well, so no one said, no one said, cut, you know, oh, who's that banged his head? So I thought, well, they must use one of the other shots. And then when it when it came out and that shot was in it, the shot, me banging my head, I think it's because they only did one shot of us holding the guns in their left hands because all the holsters are in the left hand side. I mean, the modern fields now, I think they got them in the right hands, but in those days. Back then, you know, the first three films, every 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 stormtrooper held the gun in their left hands. Hmm. So they, the, I think, it's because they only had the one shot and they had to use it. Because you can't not notice me banging my head. Sure. I mean, maybe you missed no, you didn't see it on the day, you know, when it happened. But I mean, when you're looking back at, 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 the, at the filming, you think, well, the guy's banged his head. So, and I said. I said to a friend of mine, Mark Kirby, in, in at lunchtime again in the bar, I said, I, I hit my head and we didn't go again, but it's just as we, we moved the guns to our left hands. So I don't understand that, you know. So so that I always remembered that. But this other guy's come up now. This Michael Michael Leader used to say that he was the one who banged his head. But I, I, I couldn't say to him, well, it isn't you, it's me, because I had no definite proof it was me. You know, I've got, I've got my friends to say, you know, they, they would back me up. But, you know, that it, unless sort of something happened on the set where you got told off by George Lucas and you had loads and loads of witnesses, you can't really say it's you. So I was criticising him. I was criticising him for saying that he's saying that he's the one who banged his head. I, because how does he know? But then I can't say that I'm the one who banged my head. But I, I, you know, I believe it is me. I believe it is me, but I can't prove it. And I always tell people that I can't prove it. I got, I got friends. I got Chris Bunn. I was with on the day, uh, uh, and he knows I was there, and because he was, he was one that's also in the shot. And there's also um, uh, Mark Kirby, who I told about it, who was a rebel trooper at lunchtime. So is that sufficient proof? I don't know. I mean, I, 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 I'll tell you what would be proof if I said to George Lucas, the only reason you use that film is because you only had the only one. And if he said, yes, I'd, I'd be the man. I'll say, yep, yeah, it was me. I banged the head. <laughs> well, maybe you'll get that opportunity sometime. But this other guy, there's another guy now who said it's him. His name's Martin Reed. And he said, 
he said that uh, um, he said, well, when I banged my head, he said everyone laughed. Well, if you if you laugh, you, you know it's happened. You would have the director would have gone again, you know. Mm-hmm. So, but he's saying it's him who's banged his head. But uh, I think I think you know you can't. No one can really prove it unless. And the only way I can prove it is is if George, you know, as I said, if George, Lu- if I said to George Lucas, you you only had the one shot to use, didn't you? And you said, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so when you hit your head, did it hurt? No, 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 no. It kind of, it kind of, um, uh, uh, I kind of stopped walking. I mean, if you look at the shot, it's a sort of like stutter for a, you know, for a second or two. And it, I just sort of slid underneath it. it uh, but I was more, more concerned that I, I may cause an accident with my stomach. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, you know, so if you've got, if your mind's on something else, then, then, yeah, it tends to sort of be a secondary issue rather than the major issue. Sure, sure. Um, so head banging in Star Wars seems to be a, a bit common, doesn't it? Uh, Billy D. Williams hit his head in Return of the Jedi, and you can see that. Um, and uh, then in tribute to the Stormtrooper, George Lucas showed Jango Fett hitting his head in Attack of the Clones, one of the prequels. Uh, and he did that since the Stormtroopers at the time were supposedly clones of Jango Fett. Um, were you aware about that? No, no, no. Well, maybe, maybe sort of like me banging my head started the whole thing off. <laughs> maybe it became a trend. <laughs> Absolutely. And from what I recall from interviews at the time, uh, Lucas actually said that he did that intentionally because of the Stormtrooper. Really? Mm-hmm. Oh, well, how do I get to meet George Lucas? <laughs> um, do you know him? I, I wish I did. <laughs> uh, uh. Um. So, Laurie, you are in an upcoming documentary made by Jamie Sangroom, uh, who I spoke with on the podcast a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. And the documentary is called The Empire Strikes Door. And it's about his quest to determine who it was, in fact, who hit their head in that scene. Um, so Jamie hasn't yet revealed his findings, uh, at least to those of us who aren't involved in the documentary, uh, who he believes is the person who, in fact, hit their head. So I don't want you to give anything away. But I would like to ask you what that process uh, appearing in the documentary. I don't know when we started, about two years ago, I think. And uh, we started off, uh, we went on these, do you know what bumper cars are at the fairground? Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, we started off doing it on the bumper cars. I suppose the, the thing is the bump of the head, bump in the head, you know, so, so it's kind of, so I don't know what he's got in, 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 in as, as, a, as a kind of, uh, in his head where where it starts from where it finishes um, but uh, it's been added to as we've gone along you know the whole idea of doing the polygraph test came quite recently well you know it was the last bit of filming I was involved in so that was, that was sort of 10 months ago about uh, but then we did some filming in Madame Tussauds and we did some filming where else was it did some filming I think it did some filming at the BBC because um, he he works at the BBC, so he had uh, facilities to use there. I mean, it's a fun thing for him. Gotcha. Um, so, Laurie, can you tell us a little bit about other films you have had roles in? Um, yeah, well, I've done a lot of stuff. BBC, I've done uh, Doctor Who. I did a lot of Doctor Who, and uh, there was one particular one particular episode I did uh, called Warriors Gate, where we we were dressed up as lions. And um, we had faces. It took a day to do 
to work out the fitting because you went along and had latex put on your face and I took mm-hmm. latex off and then made a mold of of your face then from the mold they made the actual the makeup of the lion lion's face to fit on and there's one guy there he put the latex on you put you put straws up your nose so you could breathe and he said after, after about after because you got wait to it set you see and after sort of like 30 minutes or so he said take it off take it off i can't stand it i can't stand it <laughs> so let's take it off so he couldn't do the job so all these things always get thrown at you you know it's these uh um, uh you never know what to expect i suppose that's that's the fascination of the job really because you, you never know where you know you could be in a, a really cold uh cold environment or somewhere out in a in a in some kind of gravel pit or some field in the winter you know where there's uh-huh. hardly any doing a shot and uh you think what am i doing here <laughs> what am i doing here? and then the next time you could be sort of like doing a shot in a in a bar where they're giving you free beer so it, it, it can vary quite a lot and, and it can be quite fun sure and i also see here that you had a, a role in a, an american werewolf in london oh yeah 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 yeah. i was in i was in the hospital um i was a hospital porter and there's a shot of me with jenny agata it's on i think you find that on uh, on ebay and uh it was it filmed at a hospital in putney called Botany Hospital for Women. It's now closed, been pulled down, I think. And also we worked on Piccadilly Circus, uh, where the werewolf comes out the cinema. And John Landis, who was the, the American director, uh, had had all these cars crashing, sort of like two o'clock on a Sunday morning. So, um, or Saturday morning, no, it'd be Sunday morning. So, um, so and he actually jumped in on 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 top of a bonnet of a car and was was a bit of a stunt man himself on that one. The next morning I was working again. I was working on a a, a commercial, a beer commercial, which is round the corner. Uh-huh. So I went to work on Sunday night, and I didn't finish until Monday evening at eight o'clock. <laughs> so I was on two different jobs. But that's how it used to be. You know, you normally find with uh, with film work. Um, the people at the top are quite are the easiest to get on with. Uh, if I can add this, there's a little story here. Uh, I remember I worked with um, with Alec Guinness before on something called uh, Twelfth Night at ATV back up in Elstree again, and this was like 1968, 69, something like that, 69 perhaps, mm-hmm. and um, and there was. Uh, the main stars was Ralph Richardson and Tommy Steele and uh, Alec Guinness and someone else called um, Joan Plowright, who was Sir Lawrence Olivia's wife. So they they were they they were uh, uh, on this film and they were rehearsing and with a lot of other people rehearsing, and I uh, and they were rehearsing in a, in a church hall um, on this occasion and i had to get across london and i'd been out the night before and i was i woke up i had to be there eight and it was eight o'clock when i woke up so i drove like mad to get over there probably still a bit drunk (laughs) and uh, and as i walked in and the director looked at me said oh you're always late and i i I don't know why he said that because that's the first day i ever worked for him but anyway so I, I, i sheepishly made my way over to to the corner and there's this guy there making a cup of tea and as he turned round, he said to me, would you like a cup of tea? And it was uh, Sir Alec Guinness. 
and I said, yes, please. He said, sugar or no sugar? <laughs> I said, oh, well. no sugar, please. But he was a really nice guy, you know, because then we had a little chat together. But the most majority of these people at the top, the most easiest, easiest people to get on with. Wow, that's interesting. So um, it's my understanding that you are on the convention circuit these days. So what has it been like interacting with so many Star Wars fans? Oh, I like the people. I like the, the fans and, and the collectors and all that because they, they're really kind of, you know, they really they really like to know all the interesting stuff. And it becomes interesting when you're talking to them because it's amazing what they, they, they tell you and find out. I mean, this guy came up to me, as I said, with this book. And I saw two photographs of me in there, and um, uh, and I, I didn't know it existed, you know. But they, I mean, it's all, it's all great fun, really. I've got a lot of time for them. Absolutely, awesome. That's great. So, um, Laurie, if uh, you had the opportunity to play another role in a Star Wars movie, would you do it? Uh, yeah, my, my age. Um, well, in actual fact, I I did actually send my stuff off. Um, to, to try and get on Force Awakens. I thought well, it would be nice to get on that, you know, because now I'm doing the conventions, I thought it would be probably quite easy. So I, I, I went on IMDb, found out who the agent was, and sent off my photograph and said, oh, I've worked on the original and blah, blah, blah. I heard nothing. <laughs> I heard nothing. Huh. But Salo Gardner, who you ought to really, um, or you really should interview, Salo Gardner was on there and AJ Abrahams said, I want a round of applause for Salo Gardner who worked on the first Star Wars film. And everyone gave me a round of applause. <laughs> and Salo, I must say there must be 80 now or that way anyway. Skinny guy, doesn't say much, but um, always pop, popping up here and there and everywhere. Wasn't he also in the cantina? I think he was, yeah. Yeah, interesting. So, um, yeah, if, if anybody from Lucasfilm is listening, or right now filming for Star Wars Episode Nine is going on, I, perhaps they can give you a call. They can, yeah. Where do I have to fly to? <laughs> <laughs> I think they're filming at Pinewood currently. Are they? Mm -hmm. God, they, I don't know what's going on these days. <laughs> yeah, I, I'll do it. Yeah, put me down. I'll share a dressing room as well <laughs> with the girl. Basically, correct answer. <laughs> so, Lori, um, uh, finally, since one of the main things I do uh, here at Victoria's Cantina is review action figures and toys, I have to ask, do you have an action figure of Soren, the Cantina alien? No, I can't find one anywhere. Can you find one? Uh, actually, I have one. I own one. I have a little Cantina diorama on my shelf with all the different alien figures. And uh, yes, he is in there. Where can I? Can, can you tell me where I can buy one? I wish I knew. They actually came back out. Uh, they came out in 2010, I believe, 2009, 2010. Uh, and uh, back then, they were just regular price. I believe was about seven nine, about eight dollars US. And uh, now, now if you look on eBay, they're they're probably around seventy five dollars. Are they? Oh, we made some money then. They they did. They're uh, they're worth quite a bit at this point in time. You've made some money because if you bought one for seven dollars, they were worth seventy. Right. Well, I wouldn't sell it, but um. No, no, no. Uh, but I'm <laughs> saying this. That's your funeral money. <laughs> oh, I don't want to think about that. <laughs> oh, uh, well, you, well, you do it my age. <laughs> by the time you're my age, it could be worth seven thousand pounds. $7,000. You never know. Sure. Um, so, Lori, is there anything else you would like to share with our listeners? 
Come along and see me at uh, Clondadno in uh, in uh, on the first of September. I'm doing a convention there, and also download my song "Who Was a Stormtrooper Banged His Head" on iTunes. Nice. So on top of everything else, you're a musician as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I uh, yeah, I've written a lot of songs. I've yeah, li- listen. the stormtrooper who banged his head so many planes unsubstantiated who was the stormtrooper who bashed his brains nobody knows the mystery remains <laughs> nice <laughs> didn't think we were going to get serenaded here on the podcast hey um no no we can have it if you want to but uh Awesome. Well, hey, um, Laura, you've been a delightful guest. If our listeners would like to learn more about you or follow you on social media, where can they go online? If you go on SkyFi Signers, uh, I've got a, a, a photo gallery there, which uh, I, I autograph and send off if, if you want to buy one. If you, if you just type in uh, www.skyfisigners, Laurie Good, you'll go straight to the page. That's it, really. I mean, you can contact me through Twitter or Facebook. I'm on Facebook, Twitter. So if anyone wants to contact me. And I'm open for any conventions, if there's anybody out there. But you've got to play my song. <laughs> and uh, on Twitter, it's at Laurie Good, correct? At Laurie Good, yeah. Okay, great. I'll put links to these uh, different sites down in the show notes. Uh, Laurie, once again, thank you so much for hanging out with me today in the cantina. Can I have a cup of tea now? Of course. <laughs> <laughs> Victoria, I'm going to say something really American to you. Have a nice day. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Laura. You have a nice day as well. Oh, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Take care. Ciao. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that'll do it for this episode of the Cantina Chatter podcast. Once again, I'd like to thank Lori Good for coming onto the podcast to talk about his experiences filming his roles in the original Star Wars film, A New Hope. It's always great chatting with the people who made these films come to life. I've said it before, but Star Wars is the sum of its parts, and it takes countless people, whether they are in the forefront of the film, in the background, or behind the scenes, to make it all happen. I truly hope you've enjoyed this conversation, and if you have, please do us a solid by leaving a 5-star review on iTunes to increase the visibility of the show. This podcast is a one-woman show, and we appreciate your reviews and your sharing of the show with your friends, family, and followers. If you're so inclined, Victoria's Cantina has a Patreon page in which you can gain greater access to the cantina for as little as a dollar a month. Be sure to follow Victoria's Cantina on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. As always, I'd like to thank you for tuning in to the Cantina Chatter Podcast. Until next time, bye-bye.